Get ready to rumble. Shilling Show Unleashed on the Seven Thunders Media Network. Former city councilor, husband, father, and community watchdog. Your host, Rob Schilling. Welcome to the Schilling Show Unleashed podcast. Remember, your direct support makes our show possible, and you can directly support this podcast by visiting shillingshow.com and then clicking on the Patreon banner at the top of the page to make a monthly contribution. We appreciate your support. The Schilling Show Unleashed podcast welcomes Drew Thomas Allen, a columnist, a publicist, a political analyst, and host of the Drew Allen Show podcast, author of the brand new book, America's Last Stand, Will you vote to save or destroy America in 2024? And Drew Allen, thanks for joining us today on the Shilling Show Unleashed podcast. Oh, it's such an honor to be here. I appreciate it. You know, I, I want to start here because we're talking about saving or destroying America. And I'm fearful that a lot of people of the present generation don't know how to define what an American is in the way it's traditionally been understood. So why don't we start there? Yeah, look, I, it's so funny you, you mentioned that. I mean, I probably think about that a lot, as you do and many patriots do, but I was thinking about it last night laying in bed when my baby wouldn't go to sleep. She woke up, you know, seven times throughout the night. But anyway, you know, I, I, I ask that when I see these these people that are pro-Hamas, that's what they really are, these pro-Palestinian protesters yeah. that are having this insurrection uh, outside the White House and so on and so forth. I say, I look around and say, well, do, do these people know what it means to be American. They're not teaching it in our schools anymore. For most people, all that being an American means today is simply they live in a place called America. And that's a fearful place to be. You know, it's, it's, I'm, when I have time, I'm a voracious reader. And I, I've been reading a biography on George Washington. And of course, it reminds me too of his farewell address when he says that, that the name American, you know, that that should be very, very important to all Americans, you know, that that, that should bring out a spirit of patriotism in the people and it should it should be more important than any kind of you know geographical distinctions but to be an american there's a, there's a lot of things i was thinking about uh now they knock manifest destiny but there, there's a certain optimism that comes with being an american uh obviously we we stand for freedom the principles that are espoused in the constitution but i, I think most importantly because there's so much hatred and self-loathing caught by the left about being an american America is the crown jewel of humanity. I mean that. I mean that truthfully in terms of it's it's uh, the political uh, creation of America uh, and those values that we espouse. You know, we people think that the founding fathers. You know, look, leftists want to import communism and Marxism and all these failed ideologies that are old to the United States, telling themselves that we're going to do it better. Yet we have the most perfect. Uh, and you know, human beings are responsible, so obviously uh, it's not infallible, but we have the most perfect country ever created. And of course, it depends upon a moral, decent citizenry, and that's where we're, we're losing it. You know, this is the crown jewel of humanity. The founding fathers, they understood. Obviously, they fled from persecution. They fled from tyranny. They had lived under the thumb uh, of, of King George the uh, second and third, and they understood tyranny. They, they studied all of these philosophers that we still look at today. And so it wasn't that they, they, they just 
cobbled together something. They were very intentional about it. So uh, being an American, people should be proud of it firstly. And unfortunately with critical race theory and all these kind of, you know, academic approaches, gender theory, everything else, they teach hatred of it. Yeah. This is what worries me, Drew, for the future of our nation. So I think back to my own ancestors and my grandmother coming here out of World War I from Italy and just kissed the ground in America. This was just the place she wanted to be. They wanted to raise a family in America of American children who grow up and be Americans. And so there was this love for the country and she never became wealthy. She made a very modest living, never owned a home, but loved this country till her dying day. People coming here today, as you mentioned earlier, they're crashing the gates. They're saying how bad it is, but then they got their hands out and they're just waiting for something free. So how does a country continue to exist when you have that preponderance of people who really don't care about it? Well, you're going to have to do make some very, very hard decisions. And I hope that people develop the personal constitution to make those decisions in the near future. For example, all of these illegal aliens that have come here that share nothing in common with us, who don't come here to assimilate, they don't come here like your grandparents uh, because they love America. They come here for welfare, for freebies, and other reasons as well, some very, very destructive, of course. Um, these people uh, can't, can't be permitted to stay here. You know, I don't care if it's 10 million people. These people can't be allowed to stay here lawlessly. Deportation, okay? I mean, it, you have to protect the border. But do we have a, a, a nation of, of citizens who, as soon as that happens, let's say Trump gets in there and he immediately does what he says he's going to do in terms of deporting these people. Well, you know what the media is going to say. Uh, we have a lot of Americans who were you know, scared to, to back Trump when it got hard for him because they got attacked by the left. So are we going to develop a backbone uh, to stand up? and resist those forces and speak the truth, actually, you know, act like the left does in this country where they don't care what, what, what people say. They just move forward with their agenda. You know, what are we willing to do to, to, to save this country? I mean, we can't have an education system anymore that indoctrinates young people to become Democrat voters intent upon destroying the country via Democrat Party policies and ideas. That's where it starts. I mean, if you, if you want to get down to it, it starts. I mean, I, I mean, look, parents are the problem, too. you got a bunch of uh, commie leftist parents out there that are, you know, encouraging their kids. Oh, yeah, you want to chop off your wee-wee, uh, Peter, your 10? Yeah, let's get, get to the uh, doctor and do that. You know what I mean? We've got insanity amongst us, but, you know, unfortunately, the government does have a role in um, protecting and shaping that. You know I mean? And, and that's what's happened. I mean, the, the Democrat Party's taken over academia. They've taken over, obviously, the bureaucracy, the quote-unquote deep state, and they've used that to indoctrinate people with anti-American ideology. So, you know, that's a, a war that has to be waged. It's 2024 is so important, but it's not the end. It's the beginning. And I'm not, I'm not pessimistic. I'm really not when it comes to the country. I think that what's happening right now is as serious as um, the civil war. It's as serious as the American revolution. But what we're trying to do is exercise via peaceful means the ability to save the country, right? Via election. And of course the Democrats and you know many rhinos too are trying to deprive American citizens of doing that by taking Trump off the ballot, for example, and interfering in the elections for the third time in a row. Um, and that's a scary prospect, but we've got to take it seriously. But you know, our, our ancestors, I mean, it's, it's in our blood, it's still here. You know, Obama says racism's in our DNA. It's not, it might be in the Democrat party's DNA. It's not in ours, certainly. But what is in our DNA is patriotism. Now's the time to band together, rise up, and, and lean on the shoulders and, and resurrect the, the memories of the Washingtons and the Lincolns and even, you know, the World War II, the greatest generation, and realize that, hey, they had something special. We have that, too. And now it's our turn because, you know, people take it for granted being American. That's the other thing. You know, we, we just want to live peacefully and enjoy the fruits of, you know, our posterity's labor. 
the tyrant never rests. And it's inevitable that a moment like this comes. I mean, that, that's kind of the way I look at it too. I mean, no nation, even with a constitution like ours is prevented from having, you know, tyrants spring up amongst us. I mean, it, that's human nature. So, you know, we just got to be bold now and strong and, and optimistic. We certainly do. And Drew, I'm so glad that you wrote this book and you kind of start out talking about people who might have trouble deciding between Trump or Biden. And, you know, for you or for me who are very involved daily with politics and we follow this very closely, it seems like a dumb thing that people wouldn't be able to tell. But you brought forward a very good example from history. And it's going back to the uh, Reagan versus Carter race. Are you better off today than you were four years ago? And I think the same thing, as you mentioned, can be applied to Trump v. Biden, if that's the choice that we in fact have. Yeah. I mean, in many ways, I feel like this election should be if people were ruled by a common sense and, yes. and not just the you know, emotion. This should be the easiest election we've had in our lifetime in, in many mm-hmm. ways, uh, because we've lived under both the uh, Trump presidency and the Biden presidency. I mean, look, Reagan was coming in with promises. He'd been a good governor in, in, in California, more or less. You didn't know what you were going to get with Reagan. And that's what's unique about this election. I mean, we know exactly what it was like to live under Trump. And if you go back and remember, it was pretty great. I mean, the media had to invent things constantly. And, and you know, during the 2020 election, remember, the, the, the media actually, they went out of their way. They were really worried prior to the pandemic and locking down. All that. They were really worried about the economy. They said an economy, a booming economy points to a Trump victory. And, of course, they took care of that. But Reagan looked in the camera during that debate with Jimmy Carter. Are you better off today than you were four years ago? If no American can objectively say they are better off under the Biden presidency than the Trump presidency. And I don't think we should be ashamed or upset about our options. I mean, I get into it in the book, too. I mean, so much of what they said about Trump is not true. And that which, you know, is has some truth to it. It pales in comparison to the loathsome reputation and corruption of Joe Biden or any Democrat. And I mean, it's just out of a sense of self-preservation, people should have no problem voting for Trump. Well, they should uh, not have any problem with that. But then again, you and I are talking about rational and logical decision making and everything seems to be run off emotion these days for the left. So if we look at the, the main objection and I see a lot of memes online, I'm ready to hear back the mean tweets again, you know, bring them back because that was the worst thing people had to complain about. And now uh, Biden is being portrayed as morally superior to Trump, which is a joke. I'd love for you to get into some of the issues that Joe Biden has with his morality. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I have a chapter called But His Mean Tweets, right? So yeah. it's like, for example, I'll start with the E. Jean Carroll case. You know, e. Jean Carroll, of course, is the um, woman who called herself uh, the, the slut who won't shut up. Yeah. Um, she won a, a civil trial for, for battery, right? So she claims that, you know, like 30 years ago that Trump, you know, raped her in a Bergdorf Goodman dressing room. And of course you can't remember even the year that it happened. It was either this year or that year. I mean, you know, I lived in New York city. It's like, were the leaves changing color? I mean, they got, you got seasons there. There's different markers. You can kind of start to think back about what was happening. You know, were there scarves on sale or were there, you know, swim trunks? This whole case, you know, of course she, she wrote a book about it. Nobody would even cover it because there was no credibility to it. So she had to write her own uh, PR. They published it in New Yorker. I think 30 years ago, this happened. Obviously you have a statute of limitations and you can't sue for this. So what happens is the New York governor uh, passes a law that give, gave her really a one year window to sue. And uh, she seized upon it. Reed Hoffman, who was the founder, one of the founders of Lincoln, who's a far left uh, billionaire, he funded her entire legal battle against, against Trump. In this civil jury trial, 
you know, the preponderance standard proving guilt is 51%. So you just have to convince people that it probably happened. And it's funny, she was accusing Trump of raping her and the jury still didn't determine that he, he raped her. They actually downgraded and said uh, it was battered, which is crazy. If you think about somebody coming in a courtroom and they're like, hey, this guy raped me. Mm-hmm. And then you get together and huddle in the back like, well, you know, I don't believe that he raped her, but let's get him on something else. How about battery? We don't believe that the rape happened, but maybe maybe battery happened. I mean, how do you do that? Right. I mean, mm-hmm. so anyway, this whole thing is a monumental joke. And, you know, this is kind of all of these cases against Trump. But but when you get when you, when you get into Biden, for example, you have a woman who has credibly accused him of, of sexual harassment when, when she was a uh, aide to him as a senator. And uh, the woman's mom actually went on Larry King and called in shortly after the event and even brought it up and said, hey, yeah, my daughter, she just you know quit this job because of an incident with a senator. So, you know, you, you have evidence there that far exceeds what happened with E. Jean Carroll. And of course, you have this fantasy story that uh, Joe Biden has spun about his relationship with his his wife, you know, the EDD, the fake doctor, uh, Jill, you know, I mean, she, their, their relationship started off with an affair. She was married and he was, he was hanging out with her, sleeping around with her uh, while she was married. So, you know, all this stuff is bull crap. And of course you have the diary of Ashley Biden. We actually know it was actually Biden's diary because a, a judge in the case actually ruled and determined, you know, when, when she sentenced the two uh, individuals that took it out of a hotel room or whatever and tried to sell it, uh, she actually said, well, this belonged to, you know, a, a government official. And, and in that diary, she said that her, her father, Joe Biden, showered inappropriately with her as a young girl. So my point is, if you had any of that stuff uh, that was said about Trump, man, can you imagine if Trump's daughter said, hey, you know, my dad used to shower inappropriately with me when I was when I was a little girl. I mean, you know, it'd be the end of the world. Um, but, you know, you can go on and on. I mean, they attack Trump, you know, losers and suckers. You had this guy, uh, Goldman or whatever his last name was. He was at the New Yorker as well. I can't remember now, but he he, wrote, he came up with that that hoax in 2020 where Donald Trump, you know, he went to France and he was gonna, you know, he was gonna commemorate uh, the fallen soldiers and so on and so forth from World War II. Trump canceled one day because of inclement weather, and he, he this this leftist went and created this whole uh, lie that Trump didn't want to go to this thing because he thought they were losers and suckers for dying and rain wasn't really the reason he canceled. And so they created this whole false narrative that Trump hates the military because of course, where do they want to get Trump? Well, everyone knows he's strong in the military. It's a very positive thing. So they're trying to attack that. Well, this guy made up the entire story. Uh, you have emails sent by, you know, uh, a military personnel, weather's bad. We can't fly in this today. And so that's why he missed that one uh, event. But then the very next day, he went to another event in the rain and spoke. But, he, but then you have military families who actually talk about Joe Biden and his treatment of Gold Star families. And it's, it's horrendous. I mean, he brings up his son. He lies about his son who did not die overseas. Um, he wasn't in the military. He did die. It had nothing to do with combat or anything else. And he, he lies to these families' faces. Like, you, you lose a daughter to, the, to some conflict overseas as a soldier. Joe Biden shows up and tells you, man, you know, um, you know she was too pretty to die. Or, you know, or, you know he tells these people, well, you know, my son, you know, when, when he died overseas, like, here's, I mean, it, it's crazy. These people. So he, my point is, Joe Biden effectively is everything they accuse Trump of being in reality. The Shilling Show Unleashed podcast continues with Drew Thomas Allen in just a moment. Online at shillingshow.com. Shillingshowmedia.com is your one-stop shop for websites, audio and video production, and photography. Shillingshowmedia.com will take your project from conception to completion. Shillingshowmedia.com is reasonably priced and highly professional. 
Need a website for your business? Visit shillingshowmedia.com. Need a video created or edited? Visit shillingshowmedia.com. Have a photography or graphic design project? Visit shillingshowmedia.com. Shillingshowmedia.com is your one-stop shop for websites, audio and video production, and photography. Visit shillingshowmedia.com. That's shillingshowmedia.com. Looking up for us. Rob Shub. We continue. Our guest is Drew Thomas Allen here on the Shilling Show Unleashed podcast. The new book is America's Last Stand. So one of the things that I think is most troubling, Drew, is this concept from third world nations that's now being applied in America. Let's persecute, prosecute, and even jail our political opponents. I mean, we can't have a country like this. No, we, we definitely can't. Third world banana republic, as many people have pointed out. Um, and, it, and it's bad. I mean, I, I, I call it, I have a chapter called, you know, 21st century Jim Crow. Mm-hmm. That's really what it amounts to. And you can go back. There's so many examples of this. But obviously the political persecution of Trump, uh, what happened to the J6 protesters, what you're seeing throughout the country with pro-life advocates and so on and so forth. The FBI has been weaponized. The DOJ has been weaponized. Just like, you know, brown shirts, uh, the Stasi, you know, I mean, all, you know, the, you're being spied on if you're a conservative um, and, and you're being, you know, prosecuted by the FBI for things that were even exonerated, you know, three years ago by someone else. I, I was remembering, too, you know, during the Trump presidency, you had a series of these events where Sarah Huckabee Sanders, for example, was the press secretary for a while. And, she, you know, she was a great one. And she tried to go to this restaurant. I think it was in Lexington, it Virginia. Was. It was in Lexington. Yeah. Yeah, it was in Lexington. The Red Hen. The restaurant owner kicked her out and wouldn't serve her because she was Trump's press secretary. And she didn't apologize after it was in the media. She defended it and said she'd do it again. And it was the right thing to do. And that's what I'm talking about with Jim Crow. You know, Jim Crow, it was the creation of this kind of uh, racial caste system by Democrats, Southern Democrats. And, you know, you couldn't, uh, you know, drink at white water fountains. I mean, you know, you couldn't you couldn't function in white society. You had to create your own society. And that's what's effectively been created by the left. And it's been going on for a long time. That's one incident of it, that you can't be served a meal here just because, you know, you're a, you're a Republican. And, you know, you've seen it, too, with the different sports figures who've come out and said things uh, that were counter to the left narrative. Well, the, the media attacks them and the organization basically threatens to fire them. They're going to lose their jobs if they don't apologize, absolve themselves of their sins by saying they were wrong. With Gina Carano, right? The Mandalorian star on Disney, right? She got fired for putting out a tweet observing that the situation, the political climate in America was kind of like Nazi Germany. And, and of course she was proven absolutely correct, but she got fired for that post. Now, if she had said, you know, you know, we need to burn down, you know, some more cities because of social justice and George Floyd, you know, she would have been fired. She probably would have gotten her own standalone series. They're making it difficult uh, to be an outspoken conservative and Republican. And we've, we've got to push back, push back against that too, but it's scary and it's dangerous and it's happening and we can't just normalize it. We can't sit here and just say, this is how it goes. I can't do anything about it. I mean, it's absolutely wrong. It is akin to Jim Crow in many ways. You know, it's just, it's not, it's not as official yet, but, you know, asking of these people, I mean, when you, we're not allowed to eat in a restaurant because, you know, you're a conservative. Mm-hmm. I mean, th- there's not much difference there. You, or you, you lose your job and you can't get employed unless you're a Democrat. It's <laughs> a problem. Yeah, I'm thinking of a couple of other things that are so problematic and, and really dangerous for the patriots in America. Uh, Biden's false and vicious attacks against the so-called unvaccinated 
And also the speech you mentioned, Nazi Germany, and I'm thinking of Biden standing up there with the red backlight and uh, some Marines standing behind him, uh, declaring that MAGA Republicans are a clear and present danger to the nation. In other words, let's open the floodgates on attacking them. I mean, that's what it sounded like to me. Well, absolutely. It, exactly. They compare Trump to Hitler. But in that speech, it was Biden who absolutely sounded like Hitler when he smeared. You know, you're talking about obviously tens of millions of Americans there that he is dehumanizing. Yeah. And, and if you go, if you went back and listened to Hitler talk, I mean, basically the same things were being said about the Jews. You know, maybe it's no surprise, too, that so many on the left are also anti-Semitic still. But they're really gaslighting uh, Americans and, and, and creating insanity in, in a lot of people. And it's like when they say that, you know, Trump is a threat to democracy. I point out in the book, they've been saying that since 2016, before he was even elected president. So, you know, these narratives they decided on, you know, I mean, uh, not to go off on a huge tangent, but the same thing is true. For example, they just released the manifesto or, well, Stephen Crowder, you know, obtained it and you know leaked some of it of the manifesto of the covenant killer who was a transgender killer who went into that Catholic school and murdered, slaughtered a bunch of innocent children and adults, too. And the FBI... Uh, would not release it. They tried to cover it up. They they said it was too dangerous for us to look at. And we knew why, because it would up in the left narrative that white supremacy is the greatest threat to you know America. It would destroy that narrative. And that's exactly what we learned from it. But of course, when it came to that Buffalo supermarket killer, uh, Peyton Gendron, he, they released that manifesto immediately. You know, and the irony, of course, was his manifesto, he was a white supremacist, but that's not espoused by the Republican Party. But there were beliefs that he had that were espoused by the left, like eco-socialism, um, and he hated Tucker Carlson and Fox News. So those aren't adopted on our side. And that's another one of those myths they tell. Because look, the, the Democrat Party, one of the things I try to point in the book, which is just crazy, I don't know when I thought when I thought of it, it's not like I'm a genius, but it just kind of stunned me, is what the Democrat Party's done with race relations in America, it's crazy that they've gotten away with it because it's as if, because remember, it's the Democrat Party who was pro-slavery. The Re- Republican Party was born to confront the issue of slavery in the Democrat Party in the, uh, you know, just before the Civil War. And so they're the party of slavery of Jim Crow. So they're the ones who are almost single-handedly responsible for perpetuating racism in America, and yet they claim to be the champions of blacks and they've rewritten their history. So it's, it's almost like, imagine if the Nazi party were allowed to exist today and they just, you know, started, you know, uh, appointing a couple of Jews here and there, you know, to positions in the, in the, in the Nazi party. And they claim that all of a sudden they're the, the de facto proponents of uh, anti-Semitism in, in Germany. Or imagine the Nazi party goes out and tells uh, all the other Germans, they, you know, they have anti-Semitism in their DNA. And that only the Nazi party can save them. I mean, I mean that, that's what's happening in America. And it's crazy. As we look at all of this, it's a big pile that's sitting in front of us of ill deeds, uh, bad will towards America, and also towards individuals who favor this country and, and love America. So what are the steps that we need to take as a nation and as individuals to get out of this mess? Well, the first thing is to acknowledge the gravity of the situation we're in. We are on the precipice of losing our country. We really are. And, you know, right now we're just looking to channel peaceful means uh, to deal with it. I'm not calling for any violence, but I would just remind people that 20 years before the Civil War, Abraham Lincoln 
said, you know, if this country doesn't start abiding by the Constitution, if we don't uh, reverse this now and we have mobocratic rule, well, sooner or later, it must come. And it was, of course, you know, a a conflict like the Civil War. We have to get on the same page. We need to remind ourselves what it means to be an American. We need to wake up every day excited that we are the ones that are alive in this moment to fix the situation. And that's what I wake up with. Right. I mean, I could be in. Look, it's very negative out there and bleak on the landscape some days. Believe me, you know, you know, I know, especially because our jobs are the news, essentially. We can wake up and be, you know, downtrodden and depressed about it and throw our hands up and say it's over. Or we can wake up and say, you know what, this isn't as bad as at least we're not. This isn't the Civil War. This isn't the American Revolution in a violent way. Like our ancestors have been through this and even worse in some degree. And you know what? I was born for this. You know, I'm glad that I'm here because I trust myself. I believe in myself and I love this country. And and thankfully, it's me that's here to, to deal with the situation. So that's kind of what we have to do. And, you know, in my book, it's kind of a rallying cry. You know, it's, it's, it's to give people the conviction they need. And it's also to convince other people on the fence about what needs to be done. You know, I, I call us the Patriots of 24, just as Lincoln called the Patriots of 76 with, with, regarding the founding fathers and George Washington. So we're the Patriots of 24. So, you know, let's rally together. Let's keep our heads up. And, and yeah, voting's part of it, but, it, but it's so much more than that. We all have to figure out what our talents are, and we have to dedicate ourselves, I'm sorry, to actually being activists. So mm-hmm. that's the calling right now. Uh, Drew, if people would like to get a copy of America's Last Stand or get more information about the work that you do, your podcast, where can we find that? Yeah, so books available, best place is Amazon. It's available audiobook, uh, Kindle, and also paperback. Um, and then I, I keep, a, I'm a columnist too. So I have a Substack. I keep up drewallen.substack.com. Um, and then, you know, my podcast is there as well, the Drew Allen show. So, and, you know, and I, and I, I'm an open available person, you know, so if people want to reach out to me with concerns, I love talking to other Americans that are, that are worried or excited to, to meet and be around other people that are inspiring and, and love this country like yourself. Drew Thomas Allen, you've done a wonderful job with the book and laying out the case, and you've also given us great hope for this generation. Thanks for joining us today on The Shilling Show Unleashed podcast. That concludes another edition of The Shilling Show Unleashed podcast. Visit us online at shillingshow.com where you can directly support this podcast by clicking on the Patreon banner at the top of the page and making a monthly donation. Your support is essential for the continuation of The Shilling Show Unleashed podcast. Until next time.